We're continuing our six-part sermon series that we've been calling SOS God, I Need Your Help. And we've been covering different topics that oftentimes really require us to seek the Lord as we're going through them. And today we're going to be focusing on the topic of family, which is definitely something that we all need to focus on. Um, So today I have Brad and Carol Brewer here with us. Um, Brad and Carol have been coming to the church 11 to 12 years now. Um, and they have a unique story, so um, I'm just going to straight out just tell you what it is, and then they're going to share with us. So they were married for 23 years, then they were divorced for 10 years, and then they got remarried, and in February, they'll be married for 11 years again, okay? So um, they're going <laughs> to... Yes, happily married. So they're going to share with us today just... I mean, a small little snippet of a very unique and very powerful story. And as you're hearing them share today, I just want you to really focus on the power that the Lord has when you let him work in your life to bring you just from the absolute bottom and destruction and pain to restoration and happiness and success. Okay, so I'm going to turn it over to Brad and Carol, and they're going to share a little bit about their relationship and how their relationship has affected their families. First of all, to start, we, we, uh, we dated six weeks. <laughs> Little bits you don't know about each other when they, you know, when they got married. But anyhow, it, we, we, were, we were walking with God in, in the beginning. And uh, after a while, you know, we just kind of got into things and whatever. And, and uh, our relationship got bad enough that Carol would pray, God, kill one of us. Get one of us out of our misery at least. I mean, this is honest to truth. <laughs> and... Uh, Long chain of events. We won't get into any details. Everybody's got their own details. So we started coming to this church. We were divorced. We were, you know, but we were here together, and we had the same last name. So, you know, people assumed we were just married, but we we weren't. We had just become friends after we got divorced. I had a little talk with our pastor. Pastor's great. He, he, you know, he'll listen to you and not give you a hard time. But anyway, we just had a little talk with him, and he said, well, you know, I've watched you guys, and, and it seems like, seems like you get along pretty good. Don't you think it would be worth a second chance? I said, yeah, I think I, yeah, I would. So I called Carol, and I said, let's go to lunch. <laughs> so we, we, I mean, I took her out, boy. I mean, we went to, we went to Dairy Queen, got some tacos. <laughs> anyway. I, 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 I told her about, you know, our conversation with the pastor, and, and uh, I said, you know what, I, I, I've been thinking that way for quite a while. I said, what do you think? She said, I think so, too. It was a business deal, folks. It didn't have anything to do with feelings, I guarantee you. It was just we really felt like that's what God wanted us to do, and, and we did. And after about six or eight years of being remarried, it finally started working out. <laughs> Uh, guys, just be honest with your wife. If you got things that you need to tell her, get it off your chest because it'll make a big difference. God is with us. God is with us. And it doesn't matter what we think or what we feel. It's faith. It's just faith. I know, Carol, God promised her a good marriage a long time ago, and I guarantee you the first few years we were remarried, it's like, God, what? No, you didn't. <laughs> this ain't what I thought you was going to say, but. Anyway, I'll let her finish. Well, um, I just want to say that I don't care how bad your marriage is or how bad your family you think is, God is all about family. He is a relationship God. He cares more about you and your walk with him 
than he does about your marriage. But you can't walk in your marriage if you're not walking with God. And you have to obey him. And, you know, um, I'm just going to jump in here and say this for free. Um, if God is talking to you in your marriage and you're seeing all kind of things in your spouse of how bad they are and how they don't treat you right, well, I'm telling you, when God does you that way, it's because you're the one that's really closest to him and he can, he's getting through to you. He's asking you to intercede for your marriage, for your family, because God is all wanting to save our family. And he, he caused me to ignore what I saw and say, pastor was right. He said, you know, go back where you got off and get back on. And when you turn your life back to Jesus, because you don't, you don't get in a bad marriage. You can get mad at me. Don't get mad at pastor. If you end up in a bad marriage, it's because you're bad. You're not, your heart is not given to Jesus all the way because you will prefer them over you even if they're not treating you right. And you just have to keep saying, God, you said what you put together, nobody puts under. And I kept saying, God, you promised me a marriage that others would see you in us. Not us, but you in us. And even our kids are now saying, hey, you know what? This is, this is for real. It's, it's lasting. It's sticking. And you guys have showed us how to talk things out and not get angry. Just listen and, and just obey God because God will show you what you need to do first. And that's the hardest part because, trust me, he was the bad one. I went to church all the time. He I didn't was. go to church all the time. He was the heathen. And you know what? God told me, no, you have to get in line first because he can't see you the way I made you. So come on, ladies or gents, whichever one of you who sees it, if God's talking to you, submit because it's, it's worth it in the end. It puts your family back together because you don't realize who you affect. Not just you or your husband. And when we divorced, I didn't think either one of us made a difference to anybody. But I'm telling you, it affects your children, your grandchildren, your neighbors, people in the church next to you. Your life matters. Your marriage matters. Your kids matter. Fight for what God has given you. It's a gift, but you got to work it. I love how you said that. Fight for your family. Fight for your marriage. And get it right with him and you. And then it just all works out. I want to just really thank Brad and Carol because thank you. I just, it's a lot to come up here and to share um, quite an experience. So let's thank them, please. Well, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 22, Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse number 22, Paul writes and he gives instruction and he said, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife as also Christ is head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, Love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. 
So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Chapter 6, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Well, we are in our fifth week of our series called SOS, which is the universal distress signal used in times of crisis and emergency. Well, today's SOS, we are sending out It is concerning the family. See, the American family is definitely in crisis today. With 50% of marriages ending in divorce, with blended families, with rebellious and troubled kids, with, with World War III going on between adult siblings, with division between adult children and their parents, somebody needs to send out an SOS signal, help us with our family. Well, today's subject is one of my three favorite subjects to talk about and to teach about. See, I wear a lot of different hats. My top three favorites are husband, father, and papaw. I love my family. Well, today I'm going to share with you three things about the family. Three things about the family. First of all, I want to talk about how to value the family. How to value the family. And I'm going to give you three tips on how to value your family. Tip number one is by telling them often. You value your family by telling them often. Let me ask you this morning, how often do you tell your spouse? How often do you tell your kids? How often do you tell your parents how valuable they are to you? I didn't feel valued as a kid growing up. I was taught that kids were to be seen and not heard. I felt like I was a burden. I was never told by my parents that they loved me. I was never told by my parents that they were proud of me. Thankfully, they corrected this when I grew in to become an adult, and I ended up having an incredible relationship with my mom and my dad. And and as an adult, they told me often how how much they loved me and how proud that they were of me. And and, and every time I would see some of my mom and my dad's friends, they would tell me, do you know just how proud your mom and your dad are of you? Never heard that as a child. Never heard that growing up. Thank God they recovered as I became an adult. Well, when I got married and when I had my own children, I decided that my kids were not going to feel like I felt when I was a kid. 
Now, I'm not trying to portray myself as the perfect parent. I know that I made, I made mistakes. I know that I could have done much better. And, I, and, and, and the more I watch my kids with their kids, the, the more I know how that I could have done better because they're definitely doing better with their kids than we did with ours. But my kids knew that their daddy loved them. And my kids knew that their daddy supported them. And they knew that their daddy was involved in their interest. And and they knew that their daddy was very, very proud of them. Fact of the matter is, if you were to ask me what me and my wife's two greatest successes in life are, I would quickly answer Chad and Krista. Don't even get me started about my wife. And you better not get me started about my grandkids. By the way, have I told you about my grandkids lately? (laughs) Hey, my in-loves are pretty special too. They are both superstars in my book. Well, how do you value your family? Well, you start by, by telling them how valuable they are to you. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 103, he writes it, he says, How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. And Proverbs 15 and 23 says, everyone loves the correct response. It is wonderful to say the right things at the right time. Another way to value your family is by spending time with them. Spending time with them. See, time is as much a currency as dollars are. The amount of dollars you spend on something determine its value. Well, the amount of time that you spend on something or someone does the exact same thing. So I would encourage you today, make time for your spouse. Hey, you found time for them when you were dating. Find time for your parents. Let me tell you that, that, that no one loves you as much as they do. Nobody loves you as much as your mom and your daddy do. They sacrificed to give you every single thing they could possibly give to you when they were raising you. Don't neglect them in their old age. Make time for your kids. Listen, you only have them for a very short time. It goes by so fast. I remember when I was raising my kids and some old guy about my age would tell me, you better, you better enjoy your time with your kids because it's going to go by so quickly. And I, I, you know, I didn't listen to them. I thought maybe they had Alzheimer's or something. But I am telling you, friend, I'm telling you, you better enjoy your kids because it goes by so very, very, very fast. Go to their ball games, go to their recitals, go to their graduation. Whatever that you have to do to get in their presence, whatever you have to do to spend time with, with them, play board games with them, take them on vacation. Doesn't have to be Mickey World. You don't have to bankrupt yourself. I, I can't afford to go on vacation. I, I can't afford to take the time off and have a stay a staycation. A staycation, amen. Just, just spend time. Just spend time with them. Make sure they know that they're a priority. Make sure they understand how valuable they are to you. Have devotions with them. Develop a relationship with your kids so they will feel comfortable coming to you in times of crisis. When Jesus was in crisis mode in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said to his disciples in Mark 14 and 37, he said to his disciples, he said, couldn't you even give me one hour? I'm in crisis mode. My heart is breaking. I'm facing the, the ultimate test of my life. Could you not even give me even one hour? 
I wonder how many children would say to their parents, could you not even give me even one hour? Let me ask you this morning, how much time are you giving to your family? Let me help you out a little bit this morning. If you, if you don't spend time with your kids when they are little, listen, if they do not feel valued by you growing up, listen, I'm telling you, if that is the case, then you're going to spend the rest of your life trying to fix it. Hey, you might want them to bring your grandkids home to, the, home to you. Notice another way to value your family, and that is by teaching them. Teaching them. Proverbs 22 and 6 says to train up a child in the way that they ought to go. And if you'll do that, when they're old, they will not depart from the teaching that you have planted within their life. To understand it's easier to do things ourselves rather than teach our children how to do it. It's easier just to do it. Easier to pick up those toys than it is. To watch them pick up two toys and then go off and do something else or pick up three toys and then pull five more out. It's easier to do things ourselves rather than teach our children how to do it. But nobody said parenting was supposed to be easy. Dads, dads should be teaching their sons hands-on training. Teach them, dad. Teach them how to be a man. Teach them how to be responsible. Teach them how to show up for work early, how to work hard, and how to put in a full day. Teach them how to do man things. Teach them how to be a gentleman. Teach them how to treat a lady. You are teaching them how to treat a lady by the way that you are, te- by the way that you are treating their mama. Teach them how to be the godly leader of the house. Let them see you open the Bible and read. Let them hear you pray. Teach them how to balance work life with family life. Teach them how to handle money. Moms, moms should give their daughters hands-on teaching. Teach them how to teach them how a true lady acts and how she doesn't act. How to be a wife, how to be a mother, how to respect her body. And demand the same respect from boys and eventually men. Teach them women things. Don't forget children spell love T-I-M-E. All right, we've talked just a little bit about how to value the family. The second thing I want to talk about today is how to view the family. Talk about how to view the family. First of all, we need, we, we, according to the scripture, the husband is the head of the home. I got one amen. It was from a lady. Thank you. I'm, I'm going to put this all on Paul, what I'm about to teach, all right? This is Paul. And according to Paul, the husband is the head of the house. Ephesians 5 and 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church. So according to Paul, the husband is the CEO of the family. Now understand this morning, this does not make him a dictator. It makes him a leader. And as the leader or as the CEO of the family, this title comes with greater responsibility. See, see, the husband and father is responsible to provide for and to protect his family. 
Now, that doesn't relieve the wife and the mother from any contribution, but the man, the man, the husband, the father is ultimately responsible to make sure that his family's needs are met and that his family is safe. And just because, listen to me, listen to me, and just because the man is the head or the leader of the house doesn't mean he doesn't seek input from his wife. Any good leader, any good CEO will seek input and advice from those that are around him. Decisions should be made together. Plans should be made together. But the husband has the final say because he is ultimately responsible for his family. Now, I'll probably get shot by husbands and wives both today. Hey, don't shoot the messenger. Turn to your neighbor today and say, our pastor is either really brave or really stupid. (laughs) We're talking about how to view the family right now. The husband, according to the scripture, the husband, according to the writing of the apostle Paul, the husband is the head. He is the CEO. He is the head of the family. Number two, the wife is in submission to her husband. Ephesians 5 and 24, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands when they agree with him. No, in everything. Say everything. (laughs) What does it mean to submit? What does it mean to submit? Well, let me start by saying what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean she doesn't have a voice. And I've never met a woman yet who didn't have a voice. (laughs) Just because she is to be in submission does not mean she does not have a voice. Doesn't mean she's her husband's slave or robot. Doesn't mean she can't have an opinion or that she can't share her opinion with him. I would caution you ladies to be careful how you share your opinion. In what tone, in what volume. What does submission mean? Well, I'm talking about what it doesn't mean. First of also it doesn't mean he's smarter than her. It's because God put the man at the head doesn't mean he put all the brains in the head. <laughs> Doesn't mean he's smarter than her. Doesn't mean he's wiser than her. Doesn't mean he's more valuable than her. It simply means that God has given husbands and wives different roles to play. He's in a leadership role, a God-ordained and God-placed leadership role. He is in a leadership role. Hers is a supportive role. Neither better than the other, just different. Listen, listen, think about this. It wouldn't be fair. It wouldn't be fair to place greater responsibility on the shoulders of the husband without giving him greater authority. See, as the lead pastor of this church, I have greater authority in this church than any other person. Doesn't mean I'm smarter, doesn't mean I'm better, doesn't mean anything. 
But as the lead pastor, I'm, as the head of this church, I have, I, have a, I have greater authority than anybody else in the church. But with that authority also comes greater responsibility. My staff, and you know, I have a great staff, and I'm sure sometimes they see me be bopping here and there and somewhere else. They man, he's got some really good perks, and I do have some good perks. There's some good perks that comes with being the leader. But I'm gonna tell you, being the leader doesn't just come with a bunch of perks; it also comes with a bunch of problems, and it comes with greater responsibility. With that authority comes greater responsibility. If this church starts taking a nosedive, whose head do you think is going to be on the chopping block? What does it mean to submit? It means to come into agreement with. It means to support. It means to comply. So, so a wife, a wife should speak her peace. She should weigh in on the situation. She, she should give her opinion. But once she has said her piece, once she has, once she has weighed in on the situation, once she has given her opinion, then, then she should trust her husband and support his decision, which is hopefully not just his decision, but hopefully it is their decision that they made together. A wise husband will seek the input and the opinion of his wife. He will weigh her thoughts very, very carefully. He will treat her as an equal. He will value her input. Now, I don't have time this morning to say everything that needs to be said here today. Obviously, obviously there will be times when a man will not step up and lead. And in this case, say this case. In this case, a woman is going to have to. And especially in the area of the spiritual realm because there's more women in church than there are men. And when that man will not step up and take the lead spiritually, then the woman is going to have to. So, so obviously there will be times when a man will not step up and lead. And in this case, a woman will have to. And there are times when a woman just simply will not submit to her husband. But just because she is not submitting to her husband, all, even that, that husband is still going to have to lead. Now, of course, a woman should not submit to her husband if he is leading the family down an immoral or illegal path. And I'll just put that on Pastor Benson. There are places in the scripture where Paul said, this is not necessarily scripture, this is Paul talking. I don't know if I have total scripture to say that, but I have pastor to say that, amen? And so you just put it off on me. And I think if Paul can give his input, I can give mine. So a woman should not submit to her husband if that husband is leading the family down an immoral or an illegal path. Talking about how to view the family. The children are to obey their parents. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, we already read the scripture. I won't reread it. Parents should lead the kids, not the kids lead the parents. The husband and wife should be in agreement as to how they're going to raise and how they're going to discipline the children. You need to be on the same page with the direction that you are giving to your children and the discipline that you are giving your children. And divorced parents, and I need to say this because 50% of of, of children are being raised by divorced parents. Divorced parents should not use their children as pawns or as a way to manipulate or inflict harm on their former spouse. 
And divorced parents should set aside their differences and work together in dual parenting, considering the best interests of the child. This is a child. You're an adult. Bubba, start acting like it. Nothing lights my fire than to see parents working their children, manipulating what they want, getting what they want through their children. You're going to pay a dear price for it. One of these days, these kids are going to be adults, and it's going to dawn on them what a jerk you were, and you're going to have a hard time finding them to spend Christmas with. And I think the fires of hell are going to be a little hotter for people like that. Amen? Was that strong enough? It's about, it's about that child. And they didn't ask for mom and dad to split up. They don't like going to the program and having four parents there or no parents there. Or one parent there. And then, since I've said that, let me say this also, though, back to parents should not place their children in a higher priority than their marriage. And people who do this often discover their marriage is over when the last kid moves out and they are faced with an empty nest. See, see, marriage begins without children, or at least it's supposed to. The reason why I'm not saying anything because I'm just telling myself, don't say that, don't say that, don't say that. (laughs) But I want to say it because it's funny. (laughs) The preacher's up there. Will you? And it's obvious they already have. (laughs) Some of you will get that next week. Okay. Marriage begins with children in the home, and it ends the same way. At least it's supposed to. Here's Here's what I've discovered. When faced with an empty nest, some parents cry. And some change the locks. (laughs) Parents shouldn't teach their children the three R's. Respect, responsibility, and reverence. I wish I had an hour to teach these. All right, very quickly, let's look at the third thing that we need to talk about relating the family, and that is how to validate the family. Now, I only have time to mention these. First of all, parents should be honored. Again, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 3 tells us that. We read it earlier. You might say, but pastor, my parents aren't very honorable. Well, hear it this morning. If you can't honor the person, honor the position. And this is true for pastors, for policemen, politicians, anyone in authority. If you cannot honor the person, honor the position they hold. 
talking about how to validate the family. Parents, parents should be honored and, and husbands should be respected. Ephesians 5 and 33 says the wife must respect her husband. Notice it doesn't say anything about the wife loving her husband, but it does say the wife must respect her husband. Wives, your husband's number one need from you is not love. Doesn't mean he doesn't want you to love him. Doesn't mean that's not important to him. But your husband's number one need from you is not love, it's respect. But pastor, my husband is not worthy of my respect. Once again, in this case, respect his position if you cannot respect him as a person. And by all means, never disrespect your mate in front of the kids. Have a united front. Don't fuss and fight and yell and call names and raise your voice and throw things in front of the kids. Never disrespect your mate. I don't care how disrespectful that and how hard it is for you to respect them, but respect them and respect their position, and especially when the kids are involved. Here's a possibility. Show him, ladies, wives, show your husband, show him unconditional respect, and maybe, maybe, just maybe, he will live up to it. Wives should be loved. Ephesians 5 and 25, husbands, love your wives. See, a a man, a husband's greatest need is respect. A wife's greatest need is to be genuinely loved by her husband. Husbands, tell your wife you love her. Show your wife you love her by by treating her like a queen, by, by, by being kind and being gentle and being generous with her. Spend time with her. Value her. Treasure her. Listen to her. You're not taking notes, are you? (laughs) Help her with the kids. Help her with household chores. Fellas, you don't have to turn in your man card to do the dishes. Pastor, you don't do the dishes. I almost always do the dishes. In fact, I call it my kitchen. (laughs) Somebody left something dirty out in my kitchen. (laughs) Children should be affirmed. Ephesians 6 and 4, do not frustrate your children, but rather give them godly teaching and instructions. You know, you can usually tell a lot about a person's life by looking at their children. Children get a lot of their self-worth from, from the validation and affirmation of their parents or the lack thereof. Of course, there are exceptions. Children need affirmation from their parents and especially from their father. Well, parents, tell your kids you love them. Tell them you are proud of them and never, say never, never, never compare your children with each other or with anyone Why can't you be more like your brother? Because I'm not my brother. Never compare your kids to one another or with anyone else. 
And don't try to force them onto the path that you want them to take. Both of my kids are in full-time ministry, but they were not called by mama and daddy. And I didn't let my parents, when they'd say, you know, you know Chad's called to the ministry. You know Christus called to the ministry. I said, Dad, I don't want Grandpa calling any of my kids to the ministry. I'm not going to call any of my kids to the ministry. I'd be just really happy if my son just, you know, plays Major League Baseball, gets a million-dollar signing bonus, <laughs> and tithes to his daddy. Pastor, you didn't want your kids in ministry? I didn't say I didn't want them in ministry. But what I did want, I knew, I knew what ministry was. And I knew if they were called by grandpa, they wouldn't make it. Because best case scenario, only one out of ten who begins in full-time ministry finishes in full-time ministry. And if only 10% can make it in full-time ministry called by God, there's no hope at all for somebody called by grandpa. I'm not saying we didn't do things that our kids say things, point them in directions. I'm not saying we didn't do that. But they never heard us say, you're calling the ministry. What are you doing? You're calling the ministry. So my dad told me, that's the reason why I pastored a church at 17, because I was buying a house. I'm 17, ain't going to waste my money on rent. What I said. My dad said, what are you doing? He said, I'm buying a house. He said, well, you're buying a house for, aren't you calling the ministry? Yeah, and I was already in the ministry. My wife and I were working with another pastor in the church. Well, why don't you go get a church? Well, well, sure, all 17-year-old kids ought to go pastor a church. I don't know if dad can hear me or not. I better be careful. <laughs> don't try and force them onto the path you want them to take. Help them discover their God-given gifts, talents, and abilities. Help them find a path where these can be used to their maximum. But ultimately, let them choose. And after they choose, then you become their number one cheerleader. When my kids come to me and ask me for advice, I say, I'll give you my advice, but I don't have to live your life. And whatever you choose, you know that your mom and your dad's going to support you. And we're going to be your number one cheerleader. Time or two, I thought, I sure thought that'd be smarter than that. But I didn't say that, did I say that? <laughs> Takeaway today is this. Besides Jesus, our family should be our number one priority. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, I just pray that you'll take this word that has been shared today. Oh, God, we're sending out an SOS today. Oh, God, there's probably no greater crisis in America today than the crisis of the family. In fact, some of the wacky things that's going on in our world today is a direct result of the wacky family these people came out of. God, help us to get it right in the most important thing of, of, of earthly life, and that is family. Family. 